0: to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Westfox, I'm your I'm your host. Um, we're still going through a process of having a bunch of guests and uh, hopefully moving towards a more regular co-host in time, but right now I'm really enjoying having different guests on to talk about all sorts of different parts of the Star Wars Universe. And especially today, we're going to be talking about what has become one of my favorite parts of the Star Wars Universe and something that is not really talked about. And I think a lot of fans have not had a chance to see it, but... Uh, as we record, we're about maybe two or three hours away from uh, this show becoming fully accessible to anybody who has the Disney Plus universe, and we're talking, therefore, about the Clone Wars. Um, so I'm really excited to be diving into it. Today we're going to kind of do an overview of the show. Um, we're going to start with a spoiler-free section. So for anybody who hasn't seen it but has been thinking about seeing the show, this is going to be a great time to kind of get a sense of what's so good about it, um, what is some of the problems with it. And why, as a Star Wars fan, you might really want to see it. And then after about 20 minutes or so, we'll go into a spoiler section and get into a lot more specifics. And that especially be good for whether you were a longtime Clone Wars fan or whether you never really liked the show or just want to hear more about it. I think it would be good for everyone. Um, so with that, uh, let me introduce my guest. is Matthew Donovan. Uh, A good friend of mine who's also, I know, a a pretty hardcore um, Star Wars fan and was very excited to get the chance to to talk about um, The Clone Wars, and is probably going to be back as well to talk about a couple of movies at another time. So, uh, Donovan, let's start right there. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? Pretty well. Pretty well. I'm excited for this. Um, So, let's start by just jumping right in. Um, And I will say that um, at a later point, uh, myself and and possibly Matt Donovan, possibly some others um, are going to do a more thorough, in-depth look at the Clone Wars TV show, where we'll probably, like, you know, maybe every other week, watch a bunch of episodes and then and then uh, record on a specific group of episodes. But today we're just talking about the whole show overall. So, Matt, what made you really excited about this show and about wanting to talk about the
1: Clone Wars? Uh, I think for me, one of the things that I enjoyed the most about the Clone Wars is it actually enhanced the prequel movies for me. I was not a huge fan of the prequels, over time, they just kind of, they didn't quite mesh together with the rest of the universe, and they just, I did, there was something about them that I just didn't like. And I discovered through watching the Clone Wars that I think a part of that issue I had was characters just didn't have the time to develop the way they needed to, and they were able to explore that a lot more in the Clone Wars series.
0: We, we've we talked about, and I, I've talked on some of the earlier episodes, that one of my biggest frustrations with the pod, with the prequels especially is... There's so much character story that's needed because we know where the characters and where the entire world is supposed to get by the start of the the original movies, A New Hope. And the way at least the story is told in A New Hope, there's so much subtlety in that story. You know, the subtlety is involved in how Anakin becomes Darth Vader, or how um the the Chancellor who becomes the Emperor corrupts the Senate and corrupts and how the Jedi fall and how um you know, what's happening during the Clone Wars and all these kind of stories. And I think, I'm not sure if you agree, but one of my biggest complaints with the prequels is that all those stories just feel very rushed and feel yeah. like they don't, they feel very ham-fisted.
1: Is that something you think was a fair way to put it? That's exactly my, was my issue. Like, for example, uh, Revenge of the Sith was one I had a lot of issues with as I watched it. Um, and even rewatching it in general, it just, Anakin falls to the dark side very suddenly, and it seems like he went from being good guy to being flowbone evil very quickly. But one of the things that the Clone Wars series does is, that, like, it gives this background so you can see how this is actually building and building and building. And when you watch Revenge of the Sith, that's when he snaps. It's not all of a sudden he made his decision. It's just everything cascaded down all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, I I think that's a very good way to put it. There's just so much so much more richness to his story, as well as to a number of the other stories. Um, do you want to give just a quick, quick, not kind of plot overview, but just kind of like a, a setting overview for those who haven't seen it? Like, what what is the Clone Wars TV show about?
1: Uh, the Clone Wars TV show uh, obviously follows along with the Clone Wars. Uh, it goes from the, uh, after the end of Attack of the Clones, and kind of follows the intervening like three or four years between that and Revenge of the Sith. It follows along with a bunch of the Jedi, so like Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Skywalker, and then a bunch of the actual clone soldiers as they go through and try to fight against Count Dooku, General Grievous, and a bunch of the Separatists.
0: Yeah. And I'm really glad you mentioned the, um, and it also introduces a couple of uh, great new characters as well, uh, including a new Jedi and, and some other Force users on other sides. Um, one of the things that I really love, and I'm glad you brought it up, is the clone soldiers. Because when I watch the second movie, I I love Star Wars in part because of the ethical questions. Um, for anyone who knows me from the superhero ethics podcast, this is not a surprise. But I'm I'm interested in ethics. I'm interested in the questions that come up around uh, Star Wars is miles away from science fiction. But when you talk about clones and androids and things like that, you know, questions like what is the value of their life come up. Uh, what is the value of their life that those questions come up? Um, and the movies never get into that. They just tell us that the the the, the someone else it looks like probably the separatists created this army, but the the Jedi are happy to use them with pretty very little like moral compunction about what's happening. And in the Clone Wars TV show, I think some of my favorite plot lines are the ones about the clones and and getting to know them as individual people and seeing how they become individual people and seeing the various um, uh, attitudes they have towards the war. Um, yeah. and, and I thought that's one of the best things because it, it really explores this issue of what does it do to sort of the moral heart of society and to the Jedi to be commanding this army of people that on some level they think of as purely expendable.
1: Yeah. And also it's good because it flushes it out. what you were saying – it turns them into actual human beings as opposed to just being another tool that you can use in a chess game.
0: Yeah. That, I think, is a very good way to put it as well. So, one other... I think for me, I think you you hit a couple of things. I think one of the things that I also really love that the show explores is um, other uses of the Force. Um, in the In the movies, we get very clearly the Jedi and the Sith and... For the first couple of movies, obviously, there's literally only three people using the Force. There's, <laughs> um, Le- yeah, you know, there's Luke, um, Obi Wan, Darth Vader. I guess there's five because then there's also the the Emperor and and to some extent Leia. Yep. Um, and in the in the prequels, we get a lot more, but we don't explore them. And and certainly, they're all very much within the Jedi or the Sith. In the TV show, we get introduced to all sorts of other characters. A lot of them who are more light sensitive, and and some of them who are very much on the dark side, but have very intentionally kind of broken away from either of these, um, you know, kind of these two ideas of the only ways to use the force, and really explored some others.
1: Yeah, it it did a very good job of expanding that. It was things that had existed in the uh, in the Legends universe now, as, as it's called now, and it really just gives a lot of breadth to it beyond this. Very black and white view that they had with Jedi and Sith, right?
0: So, and let, let's um let's get into that a little. Oh, actually, you know, we're gonna hold, I'm gonna hold we're gonna hold discussions of those questions themselves for the the not the, the spoiler section. Um, but just kind of going doing more of the overview of that kind of thing. What are other um other kind of key elements of the story that I explore that you really appreciated?
1: Uh, well, again, going back to the clones, one of the things that was really interesting is uh, it's a war in which there are soldiers and. The show does a good job of establishing a lot of the clones as characters you like and you get to know because they have character personalities. Mm -hmm. And they don't all make it out. Spoiler alert. Like, minor spoiler alert. But it's neat to see that because a lot of shows, especially like shows that are sensibly aimed at a younger audience, don't cover that. They just would... Everyone survives and everything keeps going on. But this actually kind of brings more of the horror of the war to to star wars
0: i mean it it brings the horror of the war and again it brings i mean it it, this show makes some political points about that um again speaking pretty broadly but like there's a whole series of plot lines about um where people within the republic are starting to ask questions about why are we still fighting this war should we be fighting this war can we try to make peace do the separatists maybe have some legitimate concerns um and it comes up that one of the people who are most sort of opposing those efforts are the people who are profiting from the war, the people who are selling um, the weapons that are being used in the war or otherwise you know, benefiting from the war. Um, and I remember this show came out uh, at the height of the Iraq war and when there really was a lot of conversation about the um, – the uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan about who was profiting from it. And I, I remember being really surprised because that was – a much more political point than I thought a show like this would make, and especially because it's not done... You know, the the prequels are very clearly supposed to be in some ways a commentary on the Bush administration, but again, it's done in such a ham-fisted way. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Like you said, it's, it's much more subtle in, in these shows.
1: Well, it's, not, it's subtle, but it also presents itself in a way where it gets you to think about it, and I think one of the, one of the things that's really good about the show is it gets you to think about some of these... Ethical questions and some of these other issues that you might be—if if someone just said, "Hey, I want you to think about what it's like to have send soldiers into war," or some of the other issues that come up—you just be like, "I don't, I don't know if I want to think about that." But it right. presents it to you in a way that it kind of eases you into it, and then you actually have to think about it.
0: Yeah, and and it, what it does a lot that I really appreciate is, I don't think it always gives us clear answers. I mean, no. I. I I I, I haven't, it's been about a year since I saw the show, but I certainly don't think it it ever gave an exact answer on what is the moral weight of a clone or a droid or what what sh- how do you treat folks in war? You know, it seemed like a lot of things that it 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 left as open questions for the audience to discuss further. Yeah. It's it's funny too because one of the things, and I you know I don't think it's the greatest show ever made. I think there's definitely some problems with it, and and I I loved what you said about how it seems to explore these things in a lot more depth than you know you might think that if it was a kids show and and part of my frustration with it is that is very true and there's a lot that is so much deeper there's also a lot of episodes that really just seem like they're straight out of a kids show like yeah. did you have that same sense um you know there were definitely,
1: there were definitely some episodes where like or some plot arcs where uh we're going to focus on some of these other characters doing lighthearted adventures, and yeah. they're kind of silly, and they're kind of... It's a very different tone.
0: Yeah. In, in some ways, it... Um, Have you seen the TV show Batman the Animated Series? Uh, yes. It it reminds me a lot of that, in a show that is... Like, I didn't watch Batman the Animated Series in, in many ways for the exact same reason I didn't watch The Clone Wars, because I thought it was for kids. Oh, sure. And um, I was really blown away when my, my friend Paul, who's the Often been a a co-host and was the co-host of our first episode of this new podcast. Um, He got me to watch both Batman and the Clone Wars, and it's funny. Until until you made that comment, I'd never thought about it this way. But I think that they both share that sense of these are kids shows, and sometimes there's an episode that reminds you it's a kids show. But for the most part, it's exploring pretty deep, serious issues in ways that are accessible to kids but in, in a lot more nuance and complexity and willing to explore a lot of darkness that most kids' TV is not.
1: Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that is that a comparison you would agree with? Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, like, I... Generally, the tone is, again, these more kind of adult or, like, easing into the adult uh, maturity, like, for those questions. But then also, there are some of these just random white-hearted episodes, and I... I enjoy them to a degree, but they're it's different tonally.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, there are definitely some that I enjoyed, especially because some of them come after some pretty serious stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, and some you need some of those just to to break it up, so it's not always darkness.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'll say one other thing that I really appreciated is um, we get much more a sense of like what is a day in the life like for people in in this entire universe. But especially for people who aren't, you know, we talked about how there's force users who aren't part of the um, Jedi or the Sith. We also get to go to a lot of planets that are not part of either the Republic or the Separatists, and they just kind of want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. And some that because they're not really high technology, and they they think all of this is kind of silly. And others like the Mandalorians, who are very high technology, but have really worked very hard to keep, you know, keep themselves out of it. Yeah. Um,
1: Actually, what, uh, just to build off of that. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was really interesting and helped me understand the classic trilogy a little bit better with the idea that there used to be all these Jedi in the prequels, and then by the time of A New Hope, they're kind of like this like urban legend that there used to be these great warriors who could do telekinetic things and read people's minds. Right. That, like, that disconnect always seemed a little weird to me. And then when they actually do the Clone Wars, they kind of do show that, number one, the galaxy is a very big place. But number two, like, your average citizen might see a Jedi fighting a Sith once in their life or might have a friend of a friend of a cousin's neighbor who heard about this thing once and that's the only exposure they'd have. It's not like... Because in the movies, in the prequels, you follow around with the Jedi, so you see a bunch of Jedi. But, like, the average citizen, if they don't live on the Coruscant or one of the Core Worlds would probably just never see them and then it makes more sense that 20 years down the line they have kind of just faded into this myth because they don't really exist in a way that people have interacted with them.
0: I have said before in, in an earlier episode that that was one of my biggest complaints about the Phantom Menace is like you said in, in a new hope <clears throat> especially you know the the officers in the empire talk to Vader as though Um, you know, the Jedi are this long ago myth. And it kind of made me want the prequels to be set, you know, 500 years ago, or at least at a time when most of the Jedi have died out. So I I think that's a good point. I I do still think it doesn't make sense simply because, you know, the Clone Wars established that the Jedi are fighting alongside the Republic soldiers and the clones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially in that one particular scene in A New Hope when it is – Imperial officers who are talking to Vader about how the Jedi are a, a dying religion, that a, a dead religion that no one knows anything about, like those were people who would have fought alongside the the the, the Jedi back in the Clone Wars, you know. Um, so so that part threw me some, but I think I like the explanation you're giving because it at least helps us to better understand why why someone like Han Solo, for example, would yeah. probably have just never experienced a Jedi at all until he well. meets Obi Wan, and so just have no ability to understand what the Force is. Because you're right, like, unless there was a specific battle on your planet, like, if there's maybe, like, a hundred, two hundred Jedi in the world, or maybe even, like, a thousand Jedi in the world, compared to trillions of beings in the universe on, on millions of planets, then, yeah, you're right. The the, the chance of, of of most people experiencing the Jedi as anything but myth is probably very small.
1: Yeah, like, one of the things I thought about when I first came to this realization is, like, if we think of, like, Great historical figures that have existed in our lifetime, like Mother Teresa. We've heard about her, and we know that she did wonderful things, but, like, I don't know anyone who's even met her. And that's just, like, she's one person out of a couple billion, and then just trying to expand this to a galaxy size. Like, that's that type of thing.
0: Well, but, I mean, could could the example... A, I I don't think... (laughs) in a totally different discussion i would i would argue that i think mother teresa did some pretty horrible things but that's <laughs> another another discussion entirely but but i'd say i wonder though if that kind of disproves your point because you and i though both know that she existed we don't have any doubt that she existed right um you know there's there's a lot of things from 50 years ago that i have never experienced um but i certainly believe they exist mm-hmm. uh, or exi- did exist and i And I guess that's maybe a little bit of a counterpoint is because it's still, like, there is that much technology still existing in the world and people would have still, you know, heard stories from their dads about the Jedi existing. Um, But you are at least right that they wouldn't have had that personal contact. Um,
1: Well, just, I mean, just, like, kind of think of it this way, like, the average, like, Imperial officer could believe that there were people who were called Jedi, but they might not necessarily believe that they could, like, move things with their minds or could, like... Read your thoughts or something like that. They could think that this was just some sort of propaganda campaign. And yeah, like, actually, same, that's a really good point. In the same way, like all of the like recent saints who have been selected by the Vatican or whatever, like they've done miracles, so we're told. But if you're not there to see it yourself, then how much is this is really miraculous, and how much of this is what someone said and then maybe embellished a little bit?
0: Yeah. That, that, okay, that, that's, you've actually helped give me a perspective on an issue that I've, I've been ranting about quite a lot, some of the earlier episodes, so. Oh, okay, um, cool. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. I, I, I still think it, it, it could have been done better in, um, The Phantom Menace, but you're oh, right, certainly. this is one more way in which these, this show really helps to give a better perspective on, on it, and I definitely had the same experience you did of, this show makes the prequels better for me. Yeah. Um, just because it, like you said, it 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 bridges the gap of Anakin's character. It bridges the gap of the fall of the Jedi and the fall of the Republic. Um, it really just fills in those gaps, and it, you know, it doesn't change the awful dialogue of the second and third movies, and the first movie it doesn't make Jake Lloyd a better actor. Um, but it, but I do think that it um, it, it like you're right. It, it smooths out some of that. And it, fill, it fills in some of those gaps.
1: It gives it gives the context that you need to kind of accept the. Abrupt change between the prequels and the classic trilogy because they feel like very different worlds, but with seeing what you see in the Clone Wars, it kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah, I'll also say that um, I don't know if this is true for you. I th- I, I, I I commented this on the, uh, the first episode where we talked about kind of all of our favorite movies in, in order. I love the Last Jedi, and I know it's it's controversial, and not everybody mm-hmm. loves it. Um, and putting aside the you know, really dumb reasons that some dude bros don't like it. But, you know, there's, they like, an understanding reason legitimate reasons to not like it. I don't think I would have liked it anywhere near as much if it wasn't for the Clone Wars TV show.
1: I agree completely. Like, can we talk, like, spoilers about The Last Jedi, or do you want to stick away from that right now?
0: Yeah, well, actually, why don't we do that? Why don't we now move into a spoiler section? Um, For those who haven't seen the show yet, or haven't seen some of the later movies like Last Jedi... Um, you're certainly welcome to stick along. Um, <clears throat> we're at a point in our culture where it seems like a lot of the um, major plot points have been spoiled in one way or another. But if not, certainly feel free to hit pause. A um, good podcast uh, file, a good podcast um, player will keep it on pause at this exact time for you know years on end if need be. Go watch the stuff you want to watch, and then come back for everyone else. Uh, we'll go into the spoiler section in three, two, one. Vader is Luke's father. Spoiler. Um, Anyway, so yeah, what did you want to say? Now in the spoiler section, what did you want to say about Last Jedi?
1: So yeah, the the thing that I really liked about The Last Jedi is that Luke specifically calls out that the Jedi are flawed individuals. They were human beings or other humanoid beings. They were people who were still subject to the mistakes that people can make. And he calls out, like when Ray is asking him, he's like, no, the Jedi weren't actually that great of people. We just have idolize them in their absence and yeah. it's one of those things where i would think maybe that's a little bit unfair to say if i just watched the movies but watching the clone wars you really get a sense of the jedi aren't necessarily corrupt but they're not imper. they're not perfect and they're not able to make the absolute objectively correct decision all the time and yeah. they make a lot of questionable decisions in Probably what's in the name of the greater good, mm-hmm. but that causes a lot of problems and leads directly to Anakin's fall to the dark side, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's true, especially because I would say it, it leads to Anakin's fall to the dark side, and just to a lesser extent, I would argue it leads to somewhat the Jedi's fall. Maybe not all the way to the dark side, but sort of away from their ideals, you know? And yeah. and, and that can get into another discussion about like how realistic are the Jedi ideals, and is there some extent that you'd always fall from those ideals. But I think one of the things that the Clone Wars really explores well is, you know, some of their... Like, the whole idea of being peace... You know, they are the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy.
1: Mm-hmm. What well, happens... And then it, and then characters like uh, Satine specifically raises the hypocrisy of how can you be a warrior of peace? That yeah. doesn't work.
0: Like, I, I just did a rewatch of Phantom Menace, and there's a moment in that movie where... Qui Gon says to uh, Queen Amidala that he can help protect her, but he cannot fight a war for her, because the, the implication being the Jedi are not supposed to fight wars, mm-hmm. and by Clone Wars, the Jedi are generals. They are fighting wars, and and yeah, I, and I, I some of my favorite episodes are where you really start to see the way that that is kind of creating a moral rot within the Jedi. Um, I'm not I, I didn't get a chance to look up exact episode numbers and stuff like that, so you might know this better than I do. but do you remember there's an episode or maybe a couple of like a, an arc of episodes where it focuses on a Jedi who's a general of um, the clones but has really kind of lost sight of the fact that the clones are still people and dupes, yeah. and, and basically just treating them like basically just like you know toy, you know like pieces on a chessboard to to try and because he's so obsessed with winning winning in a particular battle?
1: Well, it's that. Well, so you're thinking of the uh, Darkness on Ambara arc, mm, That's, yes. And uh, it's uh, like a, I want to say it's like a three or four episode arc, but it's that. But also, he's kind of become corrupted himself, where he just wants to do what is good for him rather than rather than what's good for everyone. But yeah, he sees them as as tools to do a thing. Right. He does not see them as as individuals, and it's it's really scary.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, cause, like, you know, to me, you, we could do an entire episode just on, like, what is the moral worth of a clone. And I, I think we'll talk about it more in just a few minutes. But I, I think one of the things that it really shows is that he, at least, has just lost any sense of that, you know, and that <clears throat> letting clones die is something that he's totally okay with at this point.
1: Oh, it's that. And also, there's the, like, nice juxtaposition, too, with the clones who are, number one, thinking we have to follow the chain of command. He's our commander. Even when. They disagree with his tactics, or they're like, he is just going to get us all killed. Right. And then even at the end of the arc, when they have figured out that he's a traitor, he's fallen, he's become corrupted, and this guy is a huge threat to them. And they still, majority of them still are refusing to actually harm him or anything right. like that. Like, that's interesting that they're the merciful ones, even <laughs> though they're these hardened warriors.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting. Because I'm not. I, I did not take it away as mercy. Um, and granted, I, have you read any of the books? Of, in this, in case particularly the Republic Commando books. No, I have not. So, and and granted, those books are not part of the official canon anymore. But I still okay, think that sure. – there's nothing been done that uh, that overrides them. And the Republic can, the Republic Commandos books, they're not huge plot points. They're very much day in the life type books. Okay. But one thing that they really go into is the idea that. Um, you know, these people are not people who had eighteen years of a traditional childhood and then were drafted or volunteered to go into the military. They're most of them are like between four and fourteen years old. Yeah. And their only purpose that they've ever been given in life is to be part of the military and to be part of the chain of command. And part of it I, I think you're right, there's a merciful aspect, but there's also an aspect of it is just so absolutely hardwired into these people.
1: So it's not that, something that they could even do.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that raises other questions as well. It's like, what is it, you know, the Jedi have basically created, or at least are, are helping to now foster and create this race of slaves who don't even have any idea of an existence outside of, of being these military figures. What, what are other moments where you think you really start to see, like, the, the Jedi starting to fall um, in, in the show?
1: Uh, I think one of the good ones, and like one of the really cool story arcs overall, was the Obi Wan fakes his death and becomes a bounty hunter arc. Which yeah, is one of the coolest ones uh, overall. I've heard a, one of my favorite YouTubers, uh, Cosmonaut Variety Hour, mentioned that like when he talks about the Clone Wars series, that this is one of those uh, ser- one of those story arcs that you could not have known you wanted until you mm-hmm. see it. But the thing that's interesting in that is. There is this massive conspiracy among the high ranking Jedi to have Obi-Wan fake his death and then become a bounty hunter to try and unravel this plot to uh, assassinate the chancellor and they don't tell Anakin because yep. it might compromise the mission but they really should do that like on a humane level like these people were like best friends and Anakin is also a little bit more emotional than your average Jedi so maybe that would be good to let him know that his one of his really good friends was not just murdered.
0: Right. Well, and especially if you think about the whole idea of the Jedi, like in theory, again, if they're supposed to be, you know, upright and true and trustworthy, you know, the, it, it's kind of like, you know, it, it's kind of like Gryffindor starting to take on Slytherin tactics, you know? Yeah. And I say that as a proud Slytherin, but that whole story arc of the amount of deceit that's involved, especially towards other Jedi, it it it, it, it helps their overall mission. But I'm not really sure how much it plays into the Jedi ideals.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's, again, one of those things that does kind of highlight that the Jedi are fallible, number one. And number two, like, I really like the story arc from the side of, you can see why Anakin distrust the Jedi Council. And it makes sense. It doesn't seem like it's fabricated. It seems like it's actually very justified now when you see it in episode three, where he's just like, no, these people have lied to me a bunch, and... They have all these rules, but they don't follow them, these rules themselves. Yeah.
0: I, I, in light of some of the recent conversations the world has been having, I I imagine there's going to be some moments where, uh, when I rewatch those second and third movies, and especially when I watch the Clone Wars, when Anakin is talking to some of the older Jedi, and I'm really just going to want him to say, okay, boomer. Because um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very much that dynamic. And it's, Especially because I think the, the the lack of trust makes a lot of sense on both sides and um in, in many ways, I've said this on other podcast other episodes of this podcast, but the first and most important reason why I've always loved Star Wars, you know I love the space battles and lightsabers and the, and the plot and the characters. But I so love the the moral world that it builds of this idea of you know hate and fear and distrust, even for the best of reasons can lead in a really dark way. Yeah. And and I think the cycle that happens with Anakin and the Jedi is exactly that, you know, that they, they start distrusting each other, which makes them both start acting cagier towards each other, which makes them both start distrusting each other further, and, and eventually leads to among other, you know, and again, the, the third movie is kind of clumsy in how this shows it, but throughout the Clone War TV shows, Chancellor Palpatine is the one who Anakin feels like he can go to, is the one who Anakin... Like, he is so perfectly manipulating this. Yeah. Because the Jedi are making it so easy to manipulate.
1: He makes himself into a great mentor and confidant and a friend outside of work that he can talk to. Yeah. And he does a very good job of steering, steering and manipulating Anakin with his words to say, I don't know why they would do that. They surely must trust you more than that, and this must be in your head. Right and plays up that kind of that paranoia in Anakin such that by the time things actually are ready to bubble over, then the car, like it's like a, a house of cards that's just falling in on itself all of a sudden.
0: Yeah. No, I think that, that's a very good way to put it. Interesting also when you mention Obi-Wan, um, there's there's one other very Obi-Wan related plot point um, that, that I think is actually part of the Bounty Hunter storyline, or maybe another time where Obi-Wan is involved with the Mandalorians. Um, but is the fact that it is very clear in the show that uh, obi-wan encounters this woman who I think she's the princess of the Mandalorians or she she's, she's a, the empress she, empress thank you um, uh, Satine. team and she is very clearly romantically interested in him mm-hmm. and he is very clearly tempted
1: oh he was um, tempted uh, they they actually like say that explicitly that yeah. he was willing to leave the order uh but then he they decided not to pursue it.
0: Well, and to me, that just, you know, one of the things that I hate so much in the um, in the second and third movie is that, it, it, you know, we really push this idea of the Jedi as, um, you know, celibate, perfectly aesthetic, you know, like they never have any human emotions, they never have any connections to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's presented as though Anakin is the only one who's ever had trouble with that. Yeah. And and, and so the way, the way the Clone Wars makes it seem to me is if even someone is like Obi-Wan, who is for the most part, him and Yoda are presented as two of the least sort of fallen of the Jedi in the show, and that if even he can be tempted like this, if even he wrestles with this idea of the Jedi, that maybe it's kind of a dumb idea, and it it it, 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 it goes again to me to the hypocrisy of how strongly he and the rest of the Jedi come out against Anakin. Uh, for his feelings for Padme.
1: I mean, there's two ways of looking at because it, there's the way that you're looking at that, and I agree strongly that it does kind of reveal some of the hypocrisy and also like some of the like humanness of the of the Jedi. I'm just gonna use human, even though not they're not all yeah. humans. But, <laughs> uh, but the other way to look at it, too is how I see Obi Wan and Satine versus anakin and padme as as foils Mm -hmm. and you can see when someone who has great power as a jedi overcomes this temptation for attachment and and belonging with someone versus when someone actually pursues that and has to keep it secret (laughs) and what's that develop in that way How those diverge because obi-wan ends up remaining a fairly virtuous and like good character overall, whereas this kind of consumes Anakin.
0: No, I I actually – I do see it more like that second way, but I I guess what I'm saying is I feel like, you know, in a more sensible world, you know, Obi-Wan might have – when when Anakin first starts to have these feelings and Obi-Wan realizes it, Obi-Wan might have been able to go to Anakin and say, hey, listen, I get it. I had these feelings too. Let me tell you about how close I came. And – why I decided to stay and therefore like, I, I do think you should stay and here's why. I feel like if you've been able to really relate to him on that kind of a level, but instead be, what we're given is that because of the fact that, you know, the Jedi are still so hippo. My sense is that the Jedi don't even want to admit that.
1: You know, Obi-Wan I...
0: would never admit that because you're, the, the, you're, it's not that you're supposed to be human and feel that desire and, and just be able to overcome it is that you're supposed to never have that desire. And so Obi-Wan can never admit that he did, and so when Anakin does, he doesn't have anyone he can talk to.
1: No, I, I agree with you on that, that the Jedi seem to, even though we have see, we see in the series that they have these feelings and things like that, they try not to talk about it. And it actually is one of the things that I think is interesting that distinguishes Anakin as a Jedi as well, because when he has his Padawan Ahsoka Tano, he is way more candid with her than we ever see Anakin be or Obi-Wan be with Anakin. Yeah. Like he will he often kind of intimates that he thinks a bunch of these rules are dumb but we got to follow them. Right. And like but he doesn't <sighs> gloss over that no this is dumb or this is going to get people killed so I'm not going to I'm choosing not to do this. Mhm. Whereas Obi-Wan and like the other guy, but especially it's surprising that Obi-Wan is very much by the book. We have to do it by the book. Right. Yeah,
0: I think that's a really good point, especially because, and it kind of leads into the next big thing I want to talk about, which is the way in which the show explores people who use the Force outside of just the Jedi and the Sith. Mm -hmm. Um, Because um, one of the things that I love so much is that um, you know, for for those who've seen the show, you know, Ahsoka is the is the Jedi apprentice for most of the show, um, and Ventress is not an apprentice by any means, but starts out as kind of the um, the the apprentice to um what's what's um uh uh dooku's jedi uh sith name
1: uh tyranus tyranus yeah Yeah.
0: that she's the apprentice to him and then later she becomes um this unconnected dark jedi who's part of the 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 witch the blood witches um and and what i love is that by the end of the show she has become very disaffected with all of the dark side people uh um Ahsoka has become very disaffected with the Jedi and all of their people, and the two of them kind, just kind of go off together.
1: Yeah. Well, and, they, they have similar experiences, and they kind of come together in kind of this middle ground between the two extreme ideologies.
0: Yeah. Like, I, I, I know that with Disney+, Plus that there's a whole bunch of new content that's going to be created. I would really love, if we got an animated show... About those two characters going on, especially because they're going to have their adventures, like, as, you know, Order 66 is being carried out and as the Empire is taking over and kind of watching them go on the run and figure out how they want to relate to this whole new world. Um, I think it'd be such interesting stories to tell there.
1: Yeah. Ventress was a very interesting character the entire time through because you can get the sense that she was raised and trained to be evil in the way that she is, but she's not necessarily inherently an evil person. Right. And, like, one of the things I like in a lot of media is watching people who are flawed and terrible try to become less terrible. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you get to see with her, especially as she gets betrayed by by uh, Tyrannus, to see, like, her journey to find her who she actually is.
0: Right. Well, especially in that, I think... You know, it is easy to see the Star Wars movies as, you know, the good guys against the mustache-twirling, evil, cackling bad guys. And certainly Emperor Palpatine is very much a, you know, evil, cackle, quite literally kind of bad guy. (laughs) Um, But, you know, even Darth Vader is shown that, like, especially when we learn about Anakin, he has his own motivations. And I I love what you're saying about both the, the, the character who's been bad trying to do better but but related to that, I also like the character who, to our moral standards, looks pretty bad but within their own moral framework, you know, they think that what they're doing is justified Um mm-hmm. and to me, this is the Magnetos of the world, the Killmongers of the world and and I think it's very much Ventress because, you know, a, as we learn through the show, we get so much of her backstory and how her people have been oppressed and, you know, she think, she doesn't think she's doing good, necessarily, but she does think she's doing justice, and she thinks she is protecting herself and the people she cares about and the ideals she cares about. And I, I love that, too, because there are some moments where, where Ventress makes points, and I'm like, I, I'm i not sure you're wrong, and I don't yeah. know how I feel about that.
1: Well, those are the best kind of antagonists who, yeah. number one, are clearly the heroes of their own stories, and that's what makes them believable. But also, they raise good points, like like Killmonger did. Like, it's really great when you have an antagonist who raises moral points, and you're like, I think you're actually right on this one, and maybe my perception has been wrong. But you're maybe still doing super evil things.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say, it's one thing that I really actually love about the show as well, is that in, in some ways it has such a wonderful rogues gallery, if you know what I mean by that. Because, yeah. like... There are a number of different antagonists who have so many different moral perspectives. There's, you know, Sidious and Tyrannus and Dooku and, and Grievous who clearly just want, you know, to be evil for evil's sake and take everything over. There's people like Ventress and, and some others who are, um, you know, doing some pretty horrible things and, and for ideals that we don't believe in, but clearly they they believe in those ideals. Um, there are people we – even though um, – in one of the things that I hate most, the second movie establishes the idea that Dooku doesn't actually believe in the, the Separatist movement in the slightest. We certainly meet many people who do. Um and and people who have very valid arguments about why the Republic is wrong and why they want to fight in the Separatist army. Yeah. Um and, and then you just get, you know, the, the hut type people and the, the, the gamblers and the scoundrels who who don't care about any of these political ideas. They just want to make a buck. Yep. Um and, and I love this show presents all of them as antagonists and, and it shows our heroes have to kind of deal with, like, what's the difference and how am I allowed to fight against someone who literally wants to take over the galaxy versus someone who's just trying to make a buck and doesn't matter if he kills some people along the way, you know, or, or someone like Ventress or any of those others.
1: And then you also have a couple other antagonists like Boba Fett and, uh, oh, I, I had for a second there, uh, uh, Darth Maul, who just want to... Seek, they're seeking justice for the way they've been wronged and they're out to remind the main characters that they have wronged them and they're going after them not because they want to necessarily take over the entire galaxy or something like that, but because they want to get vengeance for, for their losses.
0: Right. Yeah, and, and in some ways those law. Lo- I mean, like, Darth Maul, it's kind of hard for me to argue that he was, you know, terribly wronged, Um, but some of the others, certainly, and and certainly, like, um, to me, one of my... I think one of the most fascinating characters is um what's the name of Darth Maul's brother?
1: Uh Savage Press.
0: Savage, yeah, who is, you know, literally he's from the same planet as as um uh Darth Maul. I don't think he's literally Darth Maul's brother, but they're treated no, as they're, brothers.
1: They're from the same they're from like the same clan or something like that, I believe.
0: Exactly, yeah. And and, and it's kind of like they're the male um equivalent to the the blood it, it, You're so much better with this than I am.
1: The the the, the Maul force witches are the are the uh, women and the there's some like brotherhood name or something like that for the right. for the male, but I don't remember what it is.
0: And this is obviously a very like kind of hard planet and a very kind of like dark planet, but but it's, you know, it's 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 a clan, it's a community. And he is without any real like, he kind of has a choice, but to some extent he's pretty much forced to become a a Sith apprentice when um when when um Darth City when Darth Uranus needs a new one. Mm-hmm and then he later realizes like he's been being horribly manipulated and treated. And then, in some ways, he's a character who I have more sympathy for than almost anyone else because his entire existence is just having all of these feelings, all of these emotions, all this power, and just everyone in his life manipulates him horribly. First, it's Tyrannus and then it's um, Darth Maul, and, and, and even before then, it was the Queen Mother. Like everyone, just you know, he, he never gets to kind of just do his own thing
1: hmm, I never really thought about about him that in that way, but you know you're right. So let's um let's shift a little bit
0: to um what's obviously one of the central like the the thing the whole thing is named after is is the clone wars and it's it's one of the central plot lines of the whole show. What's your take on how that 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 storyline is handled in terms of like the war and the 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 way it the role it plays in the show and and the questions it brings up throughout the show?
1: Uh I so, one of the things that I liked, the way it kind of goes over the whole overarching war and stuff like that, is it does a very good job of showing how Sidious had kind of, was pulling the strings the entire time, helping both sides, and setting up things such that they would just have huge losses and have great casual, like, just these terrible things happen such that they could eventually use that to justify oppression of other people and stuff like that. Right. Like, it's one of those things where, like, you don't necessarily think of how could we get into this weird uh, author- author- authoritarian government that we see by the time of A New Hope, but you can. It makes sense how things gradually eroded freedoms in the name of the greater good or wartime emergencies, and yeah. just kind of it, it. It does a good job of of that.
0: I I think that's very true, and especially because for me. One of my biggest frustrations with the movie Attack of the Clones is I never quite understand why – what's so bad about separatists wanting to break away from the Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 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 I never quite understand what their grievances are. And what I like is that the, sh- the show really um, explores both of those questions further because on the one hand, it does really – Get deeper into the reasons. Like as I said again, Dooku obviously doesn't care. He's just helping Sidious. But that clearly there are quite a lot of people who have very legitimate grievances with the Republic and feel like the Republic isn't what they need to be, and they want to be separate from it. Yeah. Um, at the same time, though, showing that a lot of those people are being very manipulated by some folks like Sidious, and then some folks like the Trade Federation or the the Banking Guild that are just trying to make a buck. Um, and and it 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 it. I, I, I love, the again, the moral complexity there because it shows that there are – in this whole group of separatists that there there's so many different reasons for it. And then also from the Republic side that, yes, there are some good reasons why to fight against the separatists. But it also to me, again, shows that kind of moral decay that the Republic – both the Republic and the Jedi have gotten to a point where – they think they need to exist without really understanding why they need to exist, or, mm-hmm. and so something that challenges them has to be stopped. And, and I love some of the later episodes where, um, um, Padme, uh, and some of the other characters start to really question, like, wait, why do we, why are we fighting this? Why can't we make peace? Why do we, why is it so bad if they want to leave the Republic?
1: Well, it's one of the things where I've rewatched the show a couple times, and, like, on the last couple rewatches, with the very divisive nature of U S United States politics right now, it's one of the things where I kind of can kind of better understand how it's possible for the average citizen to have like very strong beliefs and like very reasonable beliefs and also have them being co-opted by the leaders of political parties. Yeah. Because that's clearly what happens in, in the Clone Wars. I'm on both sides to a degree, but that's definitely on the side of the Confederacy Yeah, and like, it's one of those things where like when you get to meet the actual Confederate citizens, they are reasonable and they like have reasonable beliefs, but they're just being horribly horribly manipulated by the people on top who are horribly horribly corrupt
0: right, yeah, I mean certainly I think the the like you said the the, the trade Federation the banking guild they they just want a better financial stake in things, you know um and then and well, people like Sidious and Tyrannus who just want the conflict,
1: yeah, well, I mean like and the banking guilds and stuff like that. They are actually engineering it such that they will be able to force both governments into financial collapse and owe them all their money or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like that was the, that was a really interesting plotline. Which, if you had told me, it would be an interesting interesting plotline before I watched the show, I would be like, I'm not going to care about galactic banking laws and interest rates. Yeah, but that... they presented it in a very interesting way.
0: Exactly. And I remember, like, I just did the like I said the episode about Phantom Menace, and one of the things I talked about was. I thought the scenes in the in the Republican Senate were handled so ham fistedly and so sloppily um and it just made the whole idea of you know the, the scenes by the third movie when Chancellor becomes the emperor it it just didn't make any sense at all, and again, here the Clone Wars really shows it because it it makes you care about the bureaucracy it makes you care about this internal power fighting within the Senate and and I like that it also really introduces characters like Bail Organa, um, yeah. the person who's Leia's adopted father, you know, and, and other we, – we get to know not just a number of Jedi and a number of fighters, but a, a number of senators become pretty important characters. And you realize that they have different motivations and different ideas and that they're not all on the same side, um, even if they're all part of the Republic and they're all working for the Republic.
1: Yeah, and that's actually, again, it's one of those things where it does a greater service to the movies in general to – Establish these characters because Bail Organa is barely introduced in the prequels. He's there, but unless you are paying enough attention, you might not understand who he is. But now you get an understanding of, number one, who Bail Organa is, and number two, why why people like him and why he would be an, an inspirational leader to a rebellion.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and therefore why his daughter picking up the mantle becomes so important. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that that's, that's such a good thing. Um. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> we we've gone a, a, a good while. I want to kind of see if there's one or two other topics we want to touch on. Um, is there any other kind of big things from the um the show? Uh, like I said, we're going to do a um more of a uh, plot arc by plot arc um uh, exploration later. But is there any other kind of like uh, big overarching ideas that you wanted to touch on in terms of stuff that you thought the show really did well, or or, or that maybe you, you're not as happy with?
1: For what, for me, one of the things that I really liked about the Clone Wars is number it's It's all about Anakin. Because the yeah. way Anakin is portrayed in the Clone Wars is just significantly stronger than it is in the movies. And I think it's because you are able to spend more time with him. But, like, the big thing that I felt in this is Anakin's a big hero and you like him because he's kind of... He's not quite full on Jedi and he's a bit more towards, like, what what with our western ideals what we would think a hero would be he's got great power he wants to help as many people as he can he wants to help as much as he can and then you can see how this doesn't necessarily work with having superpowers where eventually you get into these morally gray areas and you start making compromises and the the other thing that i like that they did really well is they kind of show how akin is a good upstanding Jedi and then slips every now and then when the cards are on the table and he has to do something big to be a hero. Like there's, right. there's the uh, episode on the uh, starship where there's the uh, terrorist who's going to blow up the ship and Obi-Wan and Satine are there and Satine is the pacifist. So she doesn't want to, she has a weapon and she could kill the assassin, but she doesn't want to betray her ideals and he's taunting Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan's like, he's... Obi-Wan could easily kill him, but then he would betray the woman that he loves. And then Anakin just comes in and is like, Hey, I got a lightsaber, I'm gonna cut you in half. It was easy. <laughs> yeah. Or seeing well- that, or like, uh, the one later on, Um, I think it was when uh, Ahsoka's wrongly accused in the 5th uh, or 6th season. I think it's the 5th mm-hmm. season. And you see him force choke someone. And yeah. you just see all these things like this. You can see how he how he kind of falls into where he ends up in episode three and how he can be seduced by the dark side, because you can see that he just kind of, he makes mistakes and falls slightly to the dark side and then goes, Oh, Nope, 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 Nope. And then tries to be a Jedi, but he can't be a good Jedi because the Jedi ideology is just kind of flawed.
0: It, it It's such a good point because I think like it would have been so easy for the writers to just say he is the morally rebellious Jedi, the Jedi with the dark side and make him that for six seasons. But instead, I think they very, I think it's a fantastic job of writing. They very meticulously show this slow descent, you know, to yeah. where, I think if Anakin had force choked someone in season, in season one of the show, it would have felt weird. But by the sixth season, you believe it. You know, you believe that's what he would do. And, well, and you start to, see, and it, it's again, it's the, it's, um, it's his attachment. He has very strong feelings, not yeah. romantic in the slightest, but he has really fatherly, you know, older brother feelings towards Ahsoka, and so he he wants to protect her, and 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 he's falling.
1: Like the thing that they, is, I think they established really well in the Clone Wars, is that Anakin's one real character flaw is that he cares too much about the people he cares about. Yeah, and yeah, I I think it's one of those things where, like, when he, you see him force choke someone in the in that season, it's, it, it just makes sense, and you're kind of thinking. No, this is this is kind of justified, which is scary.
0: Yeah. And I, I would add, I think it's, I think there's actually two flaws. I think one is that he cares too much. But the other is, and I say this because I, I think it's important to stress because I think it's so relatable, unfortunately. So much of his ego and so much of his idea of his own self-worth is wrapped up in his ability to protect others. Oh, sure. Um, you know, and I think that that's that's something that I, I will say that the second movie gets into that somewhat, but again, that the show just does so so well.
1: Yeah, and nails it. It hammers the nail really well for that.
0: Yeah, y- Th- there's one other point on the war also that I want to make that I think you really sure. started to get into, uh, where you're saying that like, you know, to some extent, like the 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 Jedi are are falling and Anakin especially because of the compromises you have to make in war, um, and that it's all kind of showing the Jedi's flawed ideology. I I think to me one of the things that the show demonstrates is that one of the most brilliant things that Palpatine Darth Sidious does is he realizes what the flaws are in the Jedi, and he realizes that the thing that will most expose those failures in their ideology and most expose the hypocrisy and most kind of set them spiraling in a downward path is war. Yeah. You know? And I think it just it does such a you know, it's such a cliche that like war corrupts everyone it touches, but I think it's so true. And and it's funny until this until some of what you said, I'd never really put that all together in, the, in this kind of a thinking. But it, it, I think the show gets into, and that Sidious very clearly knows, is if the, Je- the Jedi can't hold their ideals, if they want to win the war, and and so they kind of need an Anakin, and they need other people who who bend the rules, and that that's that's where it all starts to fall apart.
1: Yeah, I'd actually heard a really interesting thing. Uh, the other day, and I'm not sure if this was fan theory or if this is actually like canon in, b- in books or something like that, but the uh, argument that they had made was that Anakin was trained as a Jedi and was allowed to be trained as a Jedi even though Sidious knew he wanted Anakin as, as an apprentice later on so that Anakin could worm the Jedi ideology fully, but it would never quite take, and since he would always be kind of against the grain, he could have this anger and resentment build up towards the Jedi, and then by the time that he was ready to become Sidious's apprentice, he would just be full-on ready to burst because he knows that the Jedi are flawed and hypocrites, and yeah. he'd be willing to tear that down in a way that you can't train a child to do. You can't teach a child that type of hate.
0: Yeah. I, I think that gets into some really great questions, and, and especially it gets into questions like of, of just how, how far-reaching was Sidious's plan you know, I, I, I think the way the movie is, and even the clo- and even the TV show presents it, is that um, Sidious may have known that someone like Anakin was going to come along. <clears throat> there's even some, you know, uh, if you take like a couple lines from the third movie, um, and and pair it with some stuff in the books, th- there's there's some idea that maybe Darth Plagueis, you know, who according to the books at least is Sidious's mentor, mm-hmm. um, that he kind of set in motion the idea of the Force creating a life that would be Anakin um and so i think you could see this all as you know he, palpatine picks naboo in part because of um you know how close it is to tatooine and he already knows anakin is there i i, I don't think you can go quite that far in part because i mean palpatine picks naboo cuz that's where he's from but also just because i i don't think there's evidence to think that he I think when he realizes who Anakin is, all of a sudden his plans shift. He's like, "Oh, this is perfect. This is just the tool I needed." Yeah, I'm not quite sure he knew about Anakin when it all got started,
1: but but no, I don't no, know no. But he... I mean, I mean, I mean more for like as soon as he sees him, he's like, "Oh, this is the one." Yeah, yeah. he he'll do he'll do just fine. And because I'm sure
0: he was already thinking, even if it wasn't quite as bad as Anakin, there was still some black sheep in the Jedi Temple he could find. You know, because yeah. I think you're right. It, it it's such a good. um you know, resentment is such a good emotion for someone to play on if you really want to manipulate them and turn – them, you know, and, and just that – and it's, it's funny because like you said, I mean that, that's what's happening in our country right now is you have people who for some decent reasons of economic reasons and for some kind of really racist or sexist or, or homophobic issues, you know, like have a lot of resentment about what's happening in the country. And and a political party that has just been very very good at at whispering all the things in their ear, just like Palpatine does. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 so funny to me to think that like the 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 people who make and I, I know it's not the exact same writers, but you know it's not like St Lucas had control of it all. Like the people who wrote all this incredible complexity into the Clone Wars TV show are also the people who somehow allowed the line "I don't like sand" to appear on screen. Um, <laughs> it's just. I mean, it, it, it's the highs and the lows, but it, yeah. it's yeah, it, it's one of the reasons why just the Clone Wars is, is just so good.
1: Well, you know they say you can't have the light without the dark, so
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you have any any kind of major major quibbles with the show, or, or things that you kind of wished had been done differently, or, or looking back on it that kind of left a bad taste in your mouth?
1: I mean, there were some dumb episodes in there. Like, I didn't like the Droid Squad episodes with R two eating that. I kind of felt like that was a waste of my time. I personally like the Jar Jar episodes because I am a weirdo, but I I understand a lot of people don't like those ones as well.
0: I will say that I find Jar Jar in the show far less offensive, Yeah, Um, in part because they give him a more, I mean, they, they really play up the idea that Jar Jar becomes the Emperor's lackey because he is so dumb and so easily manipulatable that he, especially as the senator from Naboo, becomes very easy to for, this, for the for the the emperor to the future emperor to, to get him to do dumb things.
1: Yeah. And also like I like that they they do play it up in such a way that like all of the characters are aware of how like inept he is, but it's they understand that they need to work with him and they do so. Like my favorite episode is the one where uh, it's uh Jar Jar and someone else is going to talk with Jabba or one of the huts and they get shot down and through some terrible confluence of events Jar Jar Binks is the highest ranking person on the ship so all of the clone soldiers who are fighting for their lives and to protect him have to follow his orders and they have to kind of suggest the commands to him but also Jar Jar (laughs) is aware that he's not good at this Yeah, like it's not like he is unaware that he's not tactically savvy he knows that he's not too and there's just like this political this dance where they're trying to be polite and not overstep but they're trying to be like no, but really, what am I supposed to do?
0: Yeah, no, I I, I think you're right. Those those were a great set of episodes, um, and and, and made that character a lot more interesting.
1: Were, um, there, were, were there things that left a uh, bad taste in your mouth from the uh, from the Clone Wars series?
0: I think you're right. A lot
1: of the kind of sillier
0: episodes, although it was in part because the, the episodes are short; they're like twenty minutes, and and and, it, and it's it, it is a very good show, and there is a lot of subtlety and depth. But there's also a lot of like there's a lot of filler. Um, yeah so it's 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 a very good show to have on while you're doing things um you know and i, I it was often the show that I had on while I was doing like physical tat like laundry or, or dishes or stuff like that and and there'd be like a five minute pause when some really important scene would happen i would, i would stop um but there were definitely some filler episodes. I felt like some plot lines um there's there's a couple of episodes where they they go deeper to explore kind of the nature of the force and mm-hmm the nature of the light side and the dark side. And, and I, I haven't seen them in a couple of years. And it's part of why I want to do the rewatch. I don't remember exactly, but I remember having the feeling of like, I wish they'd pushed it just a little bit further. You know, I wish they'd gone a little deeper on that question. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Like just, just to kind of like, I, I think it just, cause it, 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 to some extent, like they go to a planet where sort of like the, the very embodiment of the light side, and the very mm-hmm. embodiment of the dark side they yeah. meet. Um, and it, I guess here's part of it is I, I want to know more of, you know, does the force naturally have a light side and a dark side? Or is the force a much more amorphous thing and just that, like, you know, sentient beings have gravitated to these two poles with all that stuff in the, all that ra- room in the middle as well? Um, so I remember being a little frustrated by that, and I remember also, um, I think there were just, there's there there some other episodes where I always felt like, um, you know, okay, they they took it pretty far, but I wish they'd gone just a little bit deeper. I think, especially in terms of the, um, you know, we did talk about how there's a lot of separatists who are introduced to have very good reasons to want to be separatists. Yeah. But we also still get an awful lot of, you know, just pure financial manipulation. You know, and I I wished we had had more people who were more of the like, <clears throat> you know, they're they're capitalists and they're not the most ethical people by any means, but like they're not, you know,
1: outright evil.
0: Yeah, instead of being outright evil, like, you know, bankers who had started to feel like that, you know, the the, the trade uh, restrictions put in by the republic were really limiting them and limiting their ability to, like, bring, you know, e- economic – because I think there's a great story of the republic, of it being a, uh, a, a republic that really started to focus more on the inner worlds and not paying attention to the economic needs of the outer worlds, you know? Um, oh,
1: yeah, and I, I think that's, like, what the – they kind of hint as the causes of things, but they don't – I agree. I don't think they go deep enough into that.
0: Yeah, um, for sure. And, and and some of that, a lot of that, again, goes back to my initial frustrations. It's one of the reasons why I'm so angry at the movie Attack of the Clones, is, for me, any hope I had of wanting to see that movie again ended with the scene where Darth Sidious um, show, where uh, um, Count Dooku shows that he's been working for uh, Palpatine the whole time. Because, to me... I'd be so much more interested in a story where Dooku fundamentally believes he's doing the right thing. You know, he fundamentally believes in his cause, and he just doesn't have any idea how badly he's being manipulated. You know, especially if, if, you know, if, if he's a Jedi and he fundamentally believes what he's saying, and then this guy Sidious comes along and says, listen, I know you always feared the dark side, but remember how much you, you hated the Jedi and thought the Jedi were so wrong. Um, what if I can I can help you lead your separatists and break away from the Republic? Um, oh, that would have been so good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, like, one of the things that I've heard, and I, I don't know if it's speculation by fans or if it's actually something that's confirmed, but, like, one of the things I've heard is that Dooku is actually just a different angle in this entire thing, and he believes that... He truly believes that the Jedi Order has become corrupt, but the Jedi ideals are correct. And he was looking at this as his tool, this teaming up with Palpatine temporarily was his way to effectively destroy the Jedi order so he could rebuild it from the ground up and have it be pure and good again. Mm. And that's why he tries to recruit Obi-Wan Kenobi because he sees Obi-Wan as one of the last good Jedi. And then when Obi-Wan's like, dude, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, then, then, it, then that's when things start to like slide off the rails a bit.
0: And, and I'll, I'll say there there is definitely some headcanon there, but I think that, I think that that's a pretty legit headcanon. Um, <clears throat> especially because, um, obviously the Clone Wars happens after Count Dooku has already fallen, but it, it, we, we get a lot more of his backstory and I think it's through flashbacks. Um, yeah. but yeah, we learn a lot. We we see a lot more of like what Count Dooku was like when he was a Jedi and when he was still part of the Republic. And, and like you said, yeah, he, <clears throat> he didn't seem evil at that point. He seemed like he had some really legitimate, um, arguments with the Jedi and with their ideals and, and again it, it, it. there's another show I'd love to see if Disney Plus could do I'd love to see something about you know Count Dooku and like how he becomes who he becomes and how because you're right if it is it to me the story is boring if he's just a uh, mustache twirling Sith who just wants to take over because that's what the Sith want
1: yeah and but, then, like you're, like we've established there, there are a lot of legitimate rights with the Jedi and he could be the one who is like no, you guys are like doing this the wrong way. You guys are compromising in areas you should not compromise.
0: Yeah, I I think that's brilliant. I've never heard that before. But yeah, and especially if, if his idea is eventually that he's going to turn on Palpatine and be like, no, the Sith are just, are terrible. I want, but we couldn't fight the Sith before. Like that. Oh, that would have been so good. <laughs> uh, especially because then the like that moment of Luke and uh, of um Anakin and Obi Wan killing killing uh, and it, really Anakin specifically killing Dooku just makes so much more sense mm-hmm. um cool all right well I think it's probably a good time to call it um Matt thank you again so much for for being a part of this I really hope uh I know we've talked about schedules and you becoming a uh you know somewhat regular guest or, or maybe you're know, eventually a, a kind of partial yeah. co-host uh we're really exciting because so I get out a lot of great thoughts and um would love to hear more of them um and to all you guys who are listening all the folks who are listening thank you so much for pay- for for sticking around for this um We'd love to hear what you have to think. Um, I started this podcast. I'm sure Matt feels the same way because we don't just want to talk at you. We want to hear your thoughts. We want this to be a conversation. Um, how are you feeling about the Clone Wars TV show? Uh, have you not seen the show and this, and this makes you more excited or less excited to see it? Um, are there parts of the Clone Wars TV show that we didn't get to if you were a big fan of it or if you hated it? Um, let us know. Um, uh, dive into the conversation with us. Um, and, and especially, um, I hope this is for people who haven't seen it or people who just want to see it again, inspired you to – if you're going to be on Disney Plus, maybe to um, you know, give it a rewatch um, and then follow us along when we do our rewatch ourselves. Um, and, and for anyone else, you know, please – but please just let us know what you're thinking. Um, you can find us on both Facebook and on Twitter at um, Star Wars Universe Podcast. Uh, you can also email us, Star Wars Universe Podcast at gmail.com. And I'll include in the show notes links to all those. You can just click on those pretty easily. Um, and I'll also say, you know, um, if, if you're a fan of the kind of ideas I've had to have, um, please check out my other podcasts, Superhero Ethics and the uh, Orville Cinematic Universe podcast, uh, as well as some of the great podcasts that I – that the, the people who I uh, am kind of connected with are also doing the um, – Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Star Trek Universe podcast, the uh, DC On Screen Universe podcast. Uh, there's a lot of really good ones out there. Uh, the Who Who Watched the Watchmen, which is a new one that's been launched by a couple of those people as well. A lot of great podcasts to check out. Uh, and Especially for the kind of people who, who, like Matt and I, love to just take a piece of media and really dive into it and, and look at it from all angles. Uh, all ones I think you're going to love to check out. So, thank you guys again. Please, um, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you share it with people. We're just getting this podcast uh, off the ground. We'd love to um get the word out more uh if you're so inclined please leave us a five star review on itunes that's a great way for people to 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 up our algorithms and, and get more people paying attention to us so uh on behalf of, uh, behalf of myself and the podcast and and Matt thank you guys all thank you guys all for being a part of this have a good day